um, we had the opportunity to speak with Justine of Employed to Serve over Zoom video. Justine was born and raised just outside of London, and she talks about how she got into music. Her musical career started when she was 14 years old. That's when she started singing for a, like a heavy metal band and did that for a, for a few years. At 16 years old is when she met her now husband and the guitar player for Employed to Serve. And they're high school sweethearts. They ended up getting married. Obviously, they're in the same band together. But uh, he was going to school for music, attending a music university when she was attending uh, school for something completely different. But when Sammy started this project, Employed to Serve, he asked Justine to, to join the band and sing for the project. And she did. And they had a drum machine in the beginning. And they started playing shows together, just the two of them, and eventually formed an entire band. And... And that's how Employed to Serve really became what it is now. She talked about putting out her first couple EPs on cassette through a German label, and those would sell out, and they'd have to repress them, and those would sell out. So they started getting some traction. She talked about the release of their first few albums, the gradual success of the band, signing to Spine Farm Records for the last two album releases, and all about this new record that they just released called Conquering. You can watch our interview with Justine on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It'd be awesome if you subscribe to our channel, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Employed to Serve. So this podcast is about you, your journey in music, and how you got to where you are now. Awesome. It's nice and easy. It's uh, my favorite topic. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. So uh, where were you born and raised? Uh, I was born in West Byfleet um, and raised there, basically. And I now literally live down the road. So I basically haven't moved from where I was born. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, I quite like where I live. It's, um, it's kind of easy to get out of. So, like, we're next to a motorway. Um, you know, we have a really good train line. I can get into central London in like under 20 minutes. So, oh, wow. Yeah. We've got like woods and stuff, and it's just quite nice. Like, it's kind of suburby, kind of uh -huh. suburby, I guess. Like, growing up, were you, was it fairly easy to get into London? Yeah. Like, I was super lucky with that. And like, we had a, a kind of small scene as well, sort of like in our local area, which is really cool. Like, our, um, our local church used to put on shows for some reason um, until someone let off a stink bomb and then they were banned. Um, oh, <laughs> just I mean, off one stink bomb? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we were like obviously kids. We are like Hardcore. 13, 14. It was all ages shows. So, yeah, as soon as that happened, it, um, it ruined it. <laughs> they shut it down? Wow. Well, they would let such – like, your band's heavy, right? And they would let your bands like yours play? Uh, yeah. yeah. So I wasn't in a band at the time. I was just like a, a punter. Um, but, yeah, a couple of my mates' bands – uh, I actually really saw before like I knew him are uh, now uh, the guy we usually use for photos. Um, he, I saw his band play when he was like 16 and I kind of uh -huh. didn't know him back then. So it's quite funny because he's like from the local area as well. That's cool. That is really cool. So how did you get into music? Um, I guess uh, I was quite a hyperactive kid. So music kind of just sort of found my, its way into my life quite quickly. Like if there's like the radio on or, um my aunts and uncles like were good at buying record like albums and stuff like that and I would sort of borrow CDs or they'd buy me CDs for like Christmas my birthday 
Um, and yeah, and I used to go to like secondhand markets for CDs as well. Cause that was back when like CDs were like 20 pounds of so expensive. Right. I know. Isn't that crazy to think now that they're just like worthless? Yeah. I read somewhere. <laughs> I don't know how like true this is, but apparently when like CDs first came out, I don't think record labels realized how cheap they were to make compared to vinyl. So they uh-huh. kept the same markup, like they kept the same price. And then they oh, realized that really? like, cost like 50p to make. But I mean, I don't know how true that is, but it makes sense. Like, cause they were insanely expensive. Yeah, I can still vividly remember going into different like, you know, record chains and city. They have the little listening station and you'd listen to the CD. And then, yeah, it was like twenty, twenty dollars to buy one record. Yeah. And it's so heartbreaking if you hate it. Like you almost like force yourself because it takes you like a month to save up the pocket money. to Right. Yeah. If it has one good song, you're like, oh, my gosh, what a waste of money this was. Yeah, and like bands, I swear to God, were so guilty of just having like one or two singles and that would be on like the Kerrang! or like the Metal Hammer compilation CD. And you'd be like, yeah, this is lit. Like, I'm going to buy it. And then, yeah, it's just bitter disappointment. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. When did you start? How good they've got it now. They do not know how good they've got it. I know. Now you can just stream one song a billion times. (laughs) Um, So when did you start? Because... Like, what were the early records that you're getting? Because obviously, it was there a progression to, like, how heavy this, the music is you're playing now? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, so, I'm trying to think where it would have been. So, my family, like, bands like Red Hot Chili Peppers and, like, U2, uh, like, bands like that, like a band called James. Um, oh, I know James. Laid, they had that one hit. Yeah, like, basically, like, they like bands like that. So, like, my uncles and aunts were sort of only... I think about 10, I think, yeah, they were like in their late teens, early 20s when I was like born. So like they were kind of like the older sort of sibling vibe. So I used to always kind of get my music taste from them. Um, Mm -hmm. So the heaviest they kind of went was like rock music. Like, yeah, like U2. There wasn't any like Metallica or anything, unfortunately. Okay. Um, But yeah, I'd say like Red Hot Chili Peppers was like one of the main ones I like first got into. And then uh, from then I really got into like gorillas and like blur and like sort of loads of like the British stuff, like Oasis. And okay. it's like, I mean, I feel like they're kind of like a rite of passage for like young British people. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. And like from there I kind of got into Nirvana and like, that was something like my um, family were into. Um, and then, yeah, I just sort of spiraled. I got into like Kerrang and uh, Scuzz TV, uh, MTV was at Headbangers Ball was one. Oh yeah. Uh, I used to stay up late and used to write my younger brother to stay up as well. Um, and yeah, from there, like I kind of got into like Ramstein, System of a Down, Lincoln Park. Um, I really got into Matt in a big way when I found, because I was I really liked like Jay-Z and Beyonce and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, when I uh, was at the Jay-Z Lincoln Park collaboration album. I can't remember what it was called. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They did like the, what was it? The Black Album, like hybrid. T- yeah, yeah, they did one of his records. Like, yeah. I remember that. Was that was sick. that was a cool album, yeah. And then like, yeah, they got into Limp Biscuit from like a Now 49 CD or something like that. Um, they were good actually, the Now CDs. I don't know if you got them where you Oh are. yeah, now that's what yeah. I call music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, was it Slum 41, Bleak 182, uh-huh. Nickelback, like all those kind of rock kind of bands are on there. So yeah, sure. I kind of got through that basically. Right on. And when did you start playing an instrument? Like what was the first instrument you learned how to play? Uh, so I started learning how to play guitar when I was like 
13, 14. Um, but my attention span was just useless when I was a kid, like really bad. Oh. So that didn't stick. Um, but I started doing vocals like very briefly, like in a band when I was about 14. And I, I kind of didn't start again until when I was about 19 when Sammy, like the guitarist, Sash, my husband in this band is, um, he like just started doing this project as a recording project. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just like, just do vocals, just learn how to do them. And I was like, okay. So um, yeah, and that's how I learned how to do vocals. I just tried it. So when, when you were 14, the band that you're in, did it sound anything like uh, Employed to Serve? No, no, we were okay. just weird i don't know what we were we were like i think at the time we wanted to sound like gallows and enter shikari because they were like the bands that were like blowing up when we were uh-huh. younger um and like trivium and as he lied dying like bands like the sort of more metalcore bands as well um but we weren't like obviously technically proficient enough um we couldn't <laughs> work out why it doesn't sound as good but uh, we gave but, it a go but you're still playing like metal at mm. even at 14 Wow. Yeah, 14. That's rad. Okay. So what how did you meet your now husband and how did you how did he know that you're a singer and you got involved in his project? Uh so I met him at my mate's house party. Um and like he was wearing a defeated sanity shirt and I was wasted and I was like, I like cannibal corpse. Because <laughs> he was like the only guy in like Surrey, like my whole county that like liked death metal. So I was like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> kind of thing. Um, sure. And yeah, from then on we dated. Um, and then, yeah. And so, yeah, I didn't actually didn't do vocals at all. So it wasn't until like, I guess, five years into our relationship. So we met when we were 16. Um, I think, like, yeah, like we were into our relationship or so. Um, actually, no, three. Maybe a bit less. So when I was like 19, 20, I started doing vocals. But you um, met him when you were, when you were 16? Yeah, yeah, we started dating when we were 16. Wow, that's pretty impressive to still be together and married now. Almost, like high school like, sweethearts. Yeah, almost. Like um, Wow. <laughs> so, okay, so you knew he obviously was into music and played heavy music. And then when does he ask, was he in another band prior to, to what you guys are doing now? Yeah, so he was in, um, he's in a few bands. He's in a band called Decrepit Womb. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, and he had, and I had like members ingested and like bands like that, um, in there. So they, they were kind of like obviously death metal kind of stuff. Um, and then he did like a one man death metal project called Regurgitate Life. And then he was also in a band called Oblivionized, which they actually got their first EP, um, reviewed by the needle drop. Like it was just really up. like, yeah, it was mad. Like all of a sudden, like this has been back, like when Facebook likes were a thing. Um, like, yeah, I remember like, one day they were just like, what the fuck's happened? Like, we've got like 10,000 new like likes or whatever. And yeah, they found out like Anthony Fantano like reviewed their EP basically. It's like, so wow. like discordance axis, like kind of levels of like Tony Danza, like it's properly like mental. Sure. That's cool. Um, that is, that's pretty rad. So yeah, I used to just like bum around with his bands and sort of like, I used to help drive and, I used to take loads of photos and stuff, but it wasn't until sort of like towards the end of the band's careers that he was in that he decided to start doing Employed to Serve. And yeah, I literally just learned how to do vocals for this project. Oh, wow. Okay. And you guys started just the two of you, right? With a drum machine? 
yeah yeah and um so I was like towards the end of my last year of university and like we sort of spent our student loan and stuff on on playing like booking shows and stuff like that just so we had somewhere to play because no one would book us so you would play together as a duo with a drum machine like uh, so for live we managed to get um our drummer Robbie uh, our ex-drummer now uh we got Robbie because he went to the same music university as Sammy did and like he had like he put an advert on their sort of little forum thingy like uh-huh. on their sort of portal and their university thing and uh yeah Robbie was like oh I like I like Dillinger Escape Plan and Norma Jean and Chariot so yeah we just kind of um yeah we just sort of went from there really we got old school friends play bass so that was cool no, and then you, what with the uh, the recordings after like so greater than you remember that was recorded with a drum machine too. Oh no? yeah, that was like our first proper album. So okay, so that's when you actually had met. So tell me the progression of going from drum machine and the two of you to like a full band. How how long were you guys together before that happened? So we did. I'm trying to think. We did two EPs, and I think I think back at the time it felt like forever apart. But I think in the grand scheme of things, it was only about a year apart. Uh, so we did two EPs and uh, Jay Randall ha- from Agrophobic Nosebeads has this la- uh, digital label called Grindcore Karaoke. Um, oh, cool. He released us through that. Um, and there's this really cool um, label called Warg Records in Germany that hit us up and was like, oh, can we release you on tape? And we just kept selling out of the tapes of those two EPs. Um, wow. So we were just like, screw it, like, let's try and make this live. Um, at that point I was like, I did not sign up for playing live. Um, <laughs> cause I was, yeah, I was definitely not proficient then. Um, I'd frequently blow my voice out, which is quite funny. Um, yeah. So from there on, we kind of just like, well, like, okay, like for the next EP, let's get some members. So yeah, we found Robbie, the drummer, um, through Sammy's music university. Uh, and then we just got old like schoolmate Toddy to play bass for us. Um, and then we recorded our first, like, it's our third EP, so it was like Change Nothing, Regret Everything. We recorded it in our living room. Uh-huh. Um, and then Sammy mixed it, because he studied, like, music production, so he kind of, like, knew what to do, basically. Um, and then, yeah, from then on, we just toured loads. Wow, okay. So with, with those tapes, though, I mean, that's pretty impressive to keep selling it out, right? Yeah, it was mad. I mean, they're in, like, rounds of 50, but even, like, even but though still, pretty sick, so like unknown. I mean, fifty tapes to a country you probably had never played or been to, right? Wasn't that through yeah. Germany, like a German label? Yeah, so literally, um, they, I think there's like two or three pressings or so of them. Um, wow, I'm sure I'm sure someone's put it on Discogs because they're probably better at me archiving stuff. But I have to have a look. <laughs> at it. I think it was about fifty. Wow, that is cool. So then you get a drummer, and you guys what start touring right away? Are, are, you went to to university as well? Yeah. So for music I, or something different? No, I really studied animation. So like for ages, I wanted to be an animator. And then I realized how hard it is. <laughs> and how, well, not how hard it was. Like, I don't mind hard work, but it's in terms of like, it's so, if you're not 100% into it, it takes literally hours to do mm. 10 seconds of animation. And it was always so soul crushing spending two weeks on something and then it'll be over in 30 seconds. Right. And you'd want to be in tears throughout the whole process. And then you're like, and you show it to your friends and family. You're like, oh, is it finished? 
yes. So yeah. You're like, do you understand how much time I put into this? <laughs> it's like having mental breakdowns over your laptop. Oh my. Um, so yeah, like I kind of quickly, I mean, I completed my degree, but I like scraped by. <laughs> and then you just didn't really pursue it much after that? Nah. And then I just got really into music and because I didn't, honestly, I don't sound weird, but I never, I never thought of getting a job in the music industry, even though it's like my favorite thing in the world, like listening to music and, uh, and like finding new bands and things like that. Like I never, it never occurred to me. I don't know why, but just didn't. But then, but your boyfriend, or at the time, your boyfriend, now husband, was, he was going to school for music, and that was kind of like his main focus. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Okay. And so once you guys put this tape out, and it's selling, and you get a band, then what do you, like, how quickly does Greater Than You Remember come out? Oh, okay. So I'm trying to think. The first two EPs, they came out in 2012, 2013. Our third one came out in 2014. And that's when we started touring Europe and UK a lot. I think we were out every single month doing like wow. seven days of shows. Playing. Did you have like a booking agent or were you doing that all yourself? Uh, no one was interested in us. Like I, I booked it all myself. Um, wow, that's so a lot of work. I, I literally, right. So I had a really shit job. Like I hated my job. It was like retail job. <laughs> uh, but fortunately we sold computers. So that meant I had internet connection and a computer all day and no customers. So um, I literally just spent the whole time booking us tours whilst I was at work. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, was, I don't know how I didn't get fired, I'll be honest. Um, but like, yeah, so what I do is I'd find out bands that are similar to us and I go into their Facebook event pages, make a list of all the promoters and have a giant spreadsheet and I'd sit there and email every single one of them. And I'd book wow. tours that way. And we'd play. My routing was atrocious. We'd play <laughs> with dumbest drives, but we just did not care. That's, um, that must be, yeah, I would imagine that's probably one of the most difficult things is trying to book shows and dates close enough together to where it makes sense, where it's, yeah. you're not driving like past the city to drive back down to the city to drive. It was yeah. so dumb. And I felt so bad because because we were young at the time. We weren't old enough to like hire a van. So the other band we were sharing with would have to drive these these stints. <laughs> You're like, we'll book it and you guys drive. Yeah. They're like, sure. It was like <laughs> That's so funny. But uh once that first record comes out though, did you guys have a label at this point yet or no? Yeah, so we signed to Holy Raw Records on the third EP. And the album. So was we that a big deal? Out. Yeah, it was huge. Like, Holy Roar and our scene was, like, such a, like, I mean, an absolute staple. So they had, like, bands like Bastion's Throats, Rolla Tomasi, Veils, um, and, like, all those kind of bands. And, like, they were sort of, like, nicknamed, like, the kind of UK swell, which is kind of after, was it, like, there was, like, The Wave, wasn't there, or something in America, where it had oh, Tushy and Murray. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we had our own sort of like little nickname for it, like, like but with our bands. Um, so yeah, like they were all part of, of that scene. Okay. And they were all on Holy Roll. So we were like, wow, okay, we need to be assigned to Holy Roll now. And, and, uh, you, and so you did it. We did, yeah. Wow. What was that? Do you remember like telling your family or like how, like how did you celebrate that moment? Oh, I, we had we had a lot of drinks. It was good. Like, um, <laughs> my family was stoked, but they didn't really like. It's hard to sort of like explain it because it's one of those things. It's 
we're not making a living off of it, but it's a really big deal. But and like we're going to have our stuff on vinyl for the first time, which is a pretty massive thing. Sure. And then with, with the next track, how many albums did you put out with that label? Mm, we did one EP and two albums. So we did Grayer Than You Remember. And The Warmth of Dying. OK, so that when that second record came out, um, what was like the next step up in, as far as the career went? Like the, the band, were you playing bigger rooms and that album came out? Were you getting bigger tours? Yeah, so we started... So it's really weird. So the UK scene seemed to not really be a thing until about 2016 to 17, I'd say. Because when we first started, it was kind of like drawing blood from stone. There wasn't like too many new bands going on. And like there was kind of almost like a weird hangover from the 2010s where there was, wasn't many new bands. Um, but then all of a sudden, like around the release of Warmth of Dying Sun, there was like loads and loads of new bands about and it was like a really good scene and like press were really excited. Like the fans were really excited about like all the new bands coming out of UK. And um, so, yeah, so when that uh, like our album Warmth came out, I felt like it was the perfect time for it to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, like to the point where people forget we have an album before Warmth as well. Oh, like, wow. That's like how... Like, it was so weird. It was, like, over a couple of years, all of a sudden, they were, like, like when we were playing shows, there'd be, like, an awesome support band every single night. And we were, like, whoa, what's happening? And, like, there's actually bands again. Um, so, yeah, we, were like, we released that. And, uh, yeah, we got our first Koran cover. That's huge. Was Which was mental. I, like, I because can't imagine. I think, like, I think we were one of the smallest bands they've ever had on their cover at that time. Uh-huh. Like, which is insane. Like, yeah, that's like such an iconic magazine, right? I mean, mm. to get the cover. I literally like, and we had, I had my own Pandora cartoon, which blew my mind. You know, like the red haired, like comic strip. Girl. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that, I, was in, I was in a Pandora comic strip, which is insane. Wow. That is crazy. Um, so, yeah, that happened. And, yeah, we started touring more. I think we first played Download Festival and a few of the European bigger festivals. And like that's like the year when things started really sort of picking up. And like, mm-hmm. we're like, whoa, we're like playing in front of like real people and not just uh, a man and his dog. So um, <laughs> <laughs> it was cool. And, and uh, the, yeah. Did Sorry. you guys get on a bigger label then with uh, Eternal Forward Motion? Yeah. So we were. That was Spine Farm? Yeah, it was a Spine Farm. Okay, so you jump up to Spine Farm on the because the most recent record Spine Farm as well. Yeah, yes, okay. this is an album with them now. Um, so you put out that record in 2019, and were you able to support it, or did it come out towards the end of the year and you're stuck when COVID happens? Tell me about so, that. Yeah, it came out in the May 2019. Okay, uh, I think we managed 20, 20 something shows on that album cycle. Because okay. we had, because yeah, we were supposed to like in 2020, we had like a full festival season, a full UK and European tour. And then we were supposed to come to America for like a month. Have you uh, played America before? No, we never. So like we had oh. this like, long month long tour books. And um, unfortunately, we'd started the, the visa process already. We got accepted for them. So, I mean, at least we know we're allowed. But, That's um, awesome. That's <laughs> big. I heard it's such a nightmare to get here. Yeah, I heard so too. So, um, I mean, yeah. So, uh, fingers crossed it will happen again. Um, but yeah, so we were supposed to literally tour 
I think we were supposed to have 150 plus shows, but um, but that but that came to an end, right? Okay, yeah. were you on the road when that happened, or no? Yeah, so we'd um, what happened? So we were on the UK leg of the tour. Okay. And I think it was our London show. And it was like we sold out the underworld, which is sick because it's like such the like it's in Camden and it's like one of the sort of rite of passage venues. So if you can sell out that, like, you know, it's good. It's a huge deal. Yeah. So that was really cool. So we were like riding high and like our manager, Kate, like Tom came to the show and he was like, all right, guys, like, I think we're going to have to pull the dates. And I was like, what are you on about? What is this nonsense? Because I, like, we were in our own little bubble. Like, I, before the pandemic, I never checked the news. Like, I could not be bothered. <laughs> um, so, like, during tour, I, I know I kept going to like our supermarkets and I was like, where the, they're like the shelves were like empty. Uh-huh. And like, there were people buying like trolleys and trolleys of food. And I was like, well, this is weird. What's wrong with them? Is it a sale on or something? Right, right. Um, and I was just like, I just want to meal So yeah, and I thought, oh, there's something a bit weird going on. I think my mum texted me going, oh, like, what do you think about everything? I was like, think about what? Like, literally, I was so oblivious to the whole thing. And then and our manager came along and was like, yeah, I think we, we need to pull the rest of the, like, the at least Europe dates. And I was like, oh, no, it's, it's fine. It's only, in, like, and I read about it. And I was like, oh, it's in Italy. It won't come over here. Right. Like, no, it's fine. <laughs> Well, um, for, in the States, it was a big deal. Like I didn't, I, I'm the same way. I like didn't really follow the news whatsoever until now, because now it's like, what's going on? Cause we're up and down with this thing, shutting down and opening up and, and everything else. Affects you now. Oh, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Now it directly affects me. But it was like when Tom Hanks got it, it was like a huge deal. Like Tom Hanks is in, you know, Australia and he has it. And like, that's when America like started to take it seriously. Not like. so much. <laughs> it was like Forrest Gump and Woody have the, the virus. And then, yeah, that's, that, that's what I like vividly remember when he had it, people were like, okay, it's this, serious. Is a, this is serious. Oh man. Did you hear about, I think I'm pretty sure it's Jared Leto. So like he, <laughs> he was like on like a meditation retreat apparently okay and he i didn't hear the story came back like home like sort of tra- started traveling home like whilst the lockdown was happening and he had no idea what was going on <laughs> so like i think like he literally i don't was i don't know how true it is but like he literally sort of like yeah just sort of saw all the empty sort of like roads and streets after his meditation can you imagine? You would have thought you would have died. <laughs> yeah, right. Died. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, you come out and you're just like, what is going on? No one's outside. All the stores are closed. <laughs> like I transcended. Like Right. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so when, when it all shuts down, you guys have to come home. Then is that when you start working on this next record? Like, how do you deal with with the pandemic? Um, so yeah, so basically I think we literally got to our last UK show at Leeds and then a couple of us started feeling ill and oh, we were a bit like, oh, and so we, we, we felt so bad about this. We got like, cancelled the show last minute because uh-huh. we were like, we can't, like, if it's as bad as everyone's saying, like, we can't in our good conscience be like, yeah, come in fans, let me breathe on you. <laughs> right. So yeah, unfortunately we had to pull. So yeah, we like traveled home in silence and there's like, it's so weird driving home. Like it was at night still. Like we still got our, like our vent, like our rider pies as well. So we're eating our pie and mash. 
<laughs> driving home <laughs> after like realizing everything's been cancelled and like it was weird actually as well because like all of our crew members were like their phones were, like blown up going like and they kept just being like well I've just lost a year's worth of work I know that's like yeah the crew got screwed I mean if you think mm. about it because they don't have the even the songs on Spotify that might be making them a, a few bucks or record sales they have nothing it's just okay now what no exactly they can't be like hit buy my merch johnny right. Sound. do you know right. what i mean it's, right right or buy my live stream event or you know whatever it is yeah wow so that, was, that was bleak but um but yeah so when we got home like do you know i i when i got home i immediately i think i had covid it was before there was even testing but i, I think like, my lost. family had it too yeah, like Before. it was definitely went around our tour because like one of the other band's merch guy very quietly left the tour. Oh, interesting. And we found out he was very ill. So we were like, oh. He's <laughs> so like, I don't have any it. taste or smell. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's how I think I definitely know I had it. Not only was oh. I was like the illest I've ever been, but also I couldn't, like it was so sad. I was like trying to comfort eat because I was miserable and I had to like self-isolate away from like the rest of my family. Uh -huh. um, and I had a spicy lentil soup and I was like, it just tastes wet. And like, Weird. And, I can't, and I was like, I can't smell anything. And that was like before they announced it as a, as a symptom. And I was like, what the hell is going on? I'm dying. Or oh, I'm having a wow. stroke. Yeah, like, that's bizarre. So weird. That is. How long did it take for your taste to come back? Oh, like three months. Did it really? Yeah. Yeah, and even so you then, definitely had it. Even then it didn't. It did it. It took a while for things to be correct. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'll taste something and I'll be like, that doesn't taste like it normally does. It like, it's so right. weird. But, um, wow. And I was like, wheezy. Like, so before, like, because I try and get into some form of shape for touring because it's like a lot of cardio. Oh, sure. Um, like, I could run like five to 10K, like, not really like too much of a problem. But when I tried to go running after having it, I could barely do like 1K without being like, wheezing it was, it was really insane. i felt like there was like a giant gorilla on my chest at all times oh, oh my gosh well i'm glad it, are you feeling better now i assume oh yeah yeah like i'm okay. totally fine but it made That's me good. like really like worry about my older family members because like if i had that and like you know i eat fairly healthy i exercise etc not right. even yet like if i had it like that bad i'm like i don't want anyone older to get it at sure all. Wow. Wow. Okay. So tell me about this new record. When, when do you start working on it? Uh, so we, I think pretty much immediately. So I, I think Sammy, like I literally wrote most of it whilst I was like isolating. <laughs> so for two weeks, like I like, I had like stayed in our room and he like stayed in the spare room. So he didn't get it. And um, we, like, yeah, I was sending hearing, files, yeah, like, <laughs> air dropping stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'd hear him through the floorboards, like, recording <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I was in my like weird, like, lem sip and cough syrup, like, stupor. Uh -huh. um, and uh, yeah, so like, he wrote most of it, I think, from about March to August of 2020. So, so yeah, he pretty much wrote all of it. Wow. Uh, very, very quickly. It was, it wasn't, it was quickly in the grand scheme of things, but not so much in the fact that he could do nothing else. Right. So like it kind of like almost was like a normal length of time we take to write, but squashed. Okay. 
Yeah. And, and the, what about recording the record? I mean, was that kind of interesting? Were you sharing files? Like, how did you get everybody in the studio to record the record? So we recorded in November, late November and early December before Boris canceled Christmas. So, um, oh, like, Boris we were canceled the, Christmas. He, he canceled Christmas. I knew it was going to be canceled and I wasn't going to go see my grandparents anyway, but I was like, I knew it. <laughs> Boris canceled Christmas. He's like the Grinch. <laughs> but like, yeah. So from we had this Wild West time where everything opened up. I think from September, okay. it was getting wrecked. Like every weekend, it was like partying and stuff. And then yeah, like and then it obviously like had a knock on effect to December. But like we managed to sort of bubble together and practice um, in the November and. Because it was like, and like, we were still allowed, but I mean, it's technically work anyway. So like, we were able to, to yeah, do cool. it without like breaking any rules, but it was insane. Like we were like driving on the motorway and it was dead. Like, so weird. Because we were just like, we didn't want to sort of stay away from, like there's no hotels and Airbnbs. Uh-huh. Uh, so we stayed at home and sort of commuted an hour each day. Um, so yeah, like it was the weirdest thing ever, just driving to and from and then being no one about like no traffic. That's so crazy. It's so weird. Like, yeah, it's odd. But yeah, I don't understand how that was, though, because, like, it was open, but I just don't think people were commuting in. I suppose they weren't allowed to go out of the area, I think, because there's been so many different formations of our lockdowns, it's hard to keep track. But I think at that point, (laughs) you weren't allowed to leave your local area. Right. I know. It's, yeah, I was going to say, people probably weren't still ready to travel at that point anyway, right? So, no. Well, that's it. Wasn't a lot of people stuck. out. Mm-hmm. So then the records finished. You put it out this year. It, it came out fairly recently, right? Yeah, it came out uh, Friday. Just gone. So like. Friday oh wow! So like a few days old. ago. Okay. Yeah. Wow. What's your What are you most excited about with the record when it came out? Did you guys get a chance to play a show or anything? No, we're hoping to like play some shows in November, which we should be announcing this week, but. I'm I'm having like weird problems like finding a van to hire. Like there's loads of weird issues going on with the touring ecosystem where there's like things like I couldn't like there was one point I couldn't like order any mics. Huh. And like there's like loads of supply issues and like things like that going on. So we'll see. I'm hoping it'll happen. Like I want to. Okay. So you um, have some possible dates, but getting all the ducks in issue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird. That is crazy that it's that hard. But I mean, I, everything is right right now. It's weird. with yeah. so, Like you said, supplies. Yeah, like, it's, it's weird. No one was making things, I guess, for the past two years. Yeah, I think that is it. And also, I guess with factories and stuff, because there's loads of social distancing, I guess the volume of which they make things probably wasn't exactly the same. Like I had issues, like once again, like when we were trying to send out our records to people who bought them, we were like, I'm really sorry, but there's no cardboard. They're like, we oh, ran out of weird. cardboard for like, like two or three weeks. Like there was no cardboard LP mailers, like t-shirt bag mailers didn't exist. So I was like, oh, I, I let's try to like fashion like Amazon boxes and stuff like that. That's funny. Maybe Amazon was stealing them all because Amazon was doing so well. Oh yeah, they're killing it it's still, <laughs> right? That's nuts. So maybe some shows coming up. Yeah. The record's out. That's exciting. And uh, what's your, what, what, like, 
I, I just listened to the whole record. I really love that last song. What would you say like your your favorite song on the album is? Oh, I think probably the opening track, just because it's so um such a Larry opener. Like I love Oh it is. Yeah, it is a good song too. I really like that one. I think I'm most excited about opening with that song live. Like the kind of like track and like the walk on and giving it the beans and yeah. Have you seen a show yet? Yeah, I've actually been to loads. I'm like exhausted because I'm not used to actually leaving the house so much. But um, I managed to. So we played Download Pilot. So we went there for a day. Okay. Um, and then I went to Bloodstock Festival all weekend. That was sick. Um, and then I think about been about to four or five like local shows. So I managed to squeeze in quite a lot. That's awesome. Uh, from the end of July, which is pretty good going. Very cool. Well, I'm sure when you guys play, it'll still be um, pretty pretty emotional to get back on stage for the first time in oh yeah like i'm years. really excited playing yeah i mean yeah literally i mean all, well just shy of because yeah we stopped playing march 2020 so if we play november 2021 that's uh almost two years playing our own shows that's crazy <laughs> know, but, but the thing is actually we were so nervous about download because like we'd gone from not playing at all to like ten thousand people so you're just a bit like but the thing is, everyone's in the same boat, so. Right. That's. Cool. I'm sure people were so drunk they wouldn't have noticed. <laughs> there you go. They were having a good time. <laughs> exactly. Well, Justine, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate it. No worries. Um, one more question. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. Ooh. I don't know. Just do it. Don't make excuses. It's always going to be hard. You're always going to be tired. You're always not going to have enough money, so you might as well just start today because I think you'll always regret not trying.